0: Praise the Lord. It is certainly good to be here at uh, Uptown Baptist Church uh, this morning to uh, bring to you the Word of God. I, um, my name is Brian Price. I'm the pastor of Love Fellowship Baptist Church in Romeoville, Illinois. Uh, I have been there for uh, some 16 years now. We began as a church plant uh, and we are still continuing on uh, trying to do what the Lord has called us to do uh, in that area and in that neighborhood. And so we're just uh, thankful. I'm thankful for you allowing me to be here. I'm thankful for the invitation that was extended to me by Pastor Mark. Uh, and, uh, and and he and I have uh, become, become uh, close friends up to this point. We have been spending a lot of time praying together uh, during the course of the week on Wednesdays and particularly with the pastor's prayer group. And it's just been a wonderful time for us to join together and to get to know each other. And so again, I'm just delighted to be here uh, to break for you the bread of life. And I pray that what is said and done uh, will be a blessing to your soul. Uh, I want to open us up with a word of prayer, and then I will begin. Father, we thank you so much uh, for this day that you have given us. Lord, you are certainly good. You are great and greatly to be praised. And so we come to you, Lord, on bended knee, Uh, Lord, lifting our hearts before you, humbling ourselves before you, acknowledging that you and you alone are God. Lord God, we pray now that you would allow us to preach. We pray that you would allow us to preach with power and with passion and with conviction of heart. Lord, we pray that you would fill the preacher with your spirit, uh, that I might say what thus saith the Lord and nothing else. Lord, that you would be glorified and that your people would would be edified, and if there happens to be someone here that does not know you in the pardon of their sins, Lord, we pray that you would touch them in such a way that they would be moved to ask the question, what must I do to be saved, and I will be careful to give them the only answer to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, God, again, to your glory, we pray this prayer in Jesus' name, amen. I would like to turn your attention now to Paul's letter to the saints at Philippi. Paul's letter to the saints at Philippi. You all have been uh, walking through the book of Philippians, uh, I guess during this, over this past month or so, perhaps a little bit longer. Uh, and, and now we are in the second chapter, and uh, we are focusing on verses 12 through 18. And so I want to read those verses in your hearing. Philippians chapter 2, beginning at verse number 12. And it is there that you will find these words recorded reading from the Holman Christian Standard Translation of the Bible. So then, my dear friends, just as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now even more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is working in you enabling you both to desire and to work out his good purpose. Do everything without grumbling and arguing so that you may be blameless and pure, children of God who are faultless in a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you, sh- you shine like stars in the world. Hold firmly to the message of life, then... I can boast in the the day of Christ that I didn't run or labor for nothing. But even if I am poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you in the same way you should also be glad and rejoice with me. Uh, I will not... uh, deal with all of those verses as closely as one would hope, Uh, but I am going to do my best to pick up the essence of this passage. And I do want to talk just for a few moments, and I will not be long. I want to talk about upholding a godly witness in an ungodly world. Upholding a godly witness in an ungodly world. In light of the recent protests and demonstrations that in many cities uh, developed into riots and looting and violent behavior, and in light of that most recent incident and incidents like it, that gave impetus to those riots. The murder of George Floyd at the hands of police officers. Someone mentioned to me the other day that it may be that the Lord has used all of this that we have seen, that we have witnessed on the news and on social media. The Lord has used all of this to sort of pull the covers to show us, to make it plain to us, to remind us as to who we really are as individuals and as a nation, to expose our depravity, to remind us of our spiritual wanting and spiritual waywardness, to show us the depth and the gravity of our sin. And so that we perhaps who are Christians would, would turn our faces toward heaven and repent for the sins of the nation. And that we would perhaps regain a sense of urgency when it comes to proclaiming the message of life, to a lost and dying world. Because if all of this that is going on, that has happened, if all of this did not do anything else, it made it very clear that we live in an ungodly world. We live in a fallen world. Jeremiah was right in the 17th chapter of his prophecy when he declared, The heart is deceitful in all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Paul was right in Romans chapter 3 when he said, There is none good, not even one. Solomon was right in Ecclesiastes chapter 7 and verse 20 when he announced, Indeed, there is not a righteous man on the earth who continuously does good and who never sins. We live in an ungodly world. But as the people of God, we are called to shine the light of the gospel in every corner of darkness that we can find. Is that not the gospel mandate that we should go into all of the world and preach the gospel unto every creature? Is that not what our Lord told us in Acts chapter 1 verse 8 when he said, and you shall receive power? After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you will be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and in the uttermost parts of the earth. Is that not what the Lord has called us to do, but to proclaim the message of the gospel to a lost and dying world? Is that not our mandate? This, I think, was Paul's primary concern as he penned this passage addressed to the saints at Philippi. In verse 15, we see clearly that Paul's, uh, we see his assessment, if you will, of the spiritual and cultural context in which the Philippians were situated. He identifies their world as a crooked and perverse generation. And because uh, they lived amongst a people that cared not about Christ or the Christian message, in chapter 1 of verse 28 and 29, verses 28 and 29, we read how the saints are being persecuted for their faith. So they're in this crooked and perverse generation, and because of their uh, disregard for God, they are persecuting those who are following Christ. And so Paul's desire for the church at Philippi that in the midst of this culture, he said that they be blameless, verse 15 again, and pure, children of God who are faultless. Paul wants them to uphold a godly witness in an ungodly world. And I would argue today that if Paul were here with us, he would perform a similar assessment and come to a similar conclusion that we need in our generation, in our day and time, that we need to focus on upholding a godly witness in an ungodly world. And in order to do this, there is within the framework of this text, three specific instructions. And I won't be long. First, we must resolve to let what God is doing in us flow out of us. This speaks mainly, I think, to our individual walk. Work out, Paul says, your own salvation. Do it with fear and with trembling because it is God that is working in you, enabling you both to desire and to work out His good purpose in you. It's verses 12 and 13. Work out your own salvation, not work for Your salvation, as some have supposed, as some have confused uh, this passage to mean, not work for, because we cannot work for our salvation. We cannot earn it. It is a gift given to us by God because of His grace and His love for us. We do not work for our salvation, but Paul says, work out your salvation. Make every effort to let your salvation show. In your behavior, let your salvation show. In your response to others, when, they, when, when, when people deal with you perhaps harshly or unfairly or unjustly, do not respond as the world responds. Respond as someone who is a follower of Jesus Christ. Let that show in you who you are. Let it come out of you, how you respond in your service how you serve others. Work out your salvation in the way that you serve. Live out your faith. Charles Spurgeon, in his lecture to his students, said it well when he declared, truth must not only be in us, but shine from us. Work out your salvation. But not only work out, he, he, says, he says very clearly, work out your own. Salvation. Don't 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 try to, to, to work out someone else's salvation. Don't try to get somebody else to live right. Don't don't be so worried about how other people are doing. You've got enough problems of your own that you need to be busy working out your own salvation. Sometimes I think one of the reasons why the church is in the shape that it's in, the local church, I would say, and perhaps not this local church, but but some local churches, because everybody is pointing the finger at everybody else, looking at other people's sins rather than dealing with your own. Work out your own salvation, Paul says, with fear and with trembling, with, with, with reverence for God. Understanding that you, as Dr. Gardner C. Taylor always said, that you stand before God, subspace eternitate, before the eternal gaze of God, that God is watching everything that you do. And we ought to understand that as we live life and God is watching us, we ought to live with fear and with trembling. Problem is, sometimes we have, we have forgotten about this idea of the reverence of God reverencing God, fearing the Lord, understanding this great and mighty God that we serve, this holy, just God that we serve. Work out your salvation with fear and with trembling. We ought to let it be seen in us who we are. We ought to let what God is doing in us flow out of us Jesus said, let your light so shine before men that they might see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Jesus likens us to salt and delight. And he said that we ought not let our salt lose its savor and we ought not let the light be hidden. We ought to be where everybody can see us and everybody can, 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 can see the Christ in us. So that people would see our good works and then glorify our Father which is in heaven. And the good news of this part of the passage is that God is already working in you toward the same goal. So that we are in partnership with God when it comes to our Christian growth. We are in partnership with God when it comes to our discipleship. We are in partnership with God when it comes to us displaying who he is in us. It is not us alone, but God, by way of His Spirit, is constantly giving us the will and the desire to become what He would have us to become and to do all that He would have us to do. We must take this admonishment seriously, saints, for how else will people see what it means to be a follower of Christ? How else will people see the change that God makes in a person's life? Christians don't allow their faith to show in everyday life. How else would anybody know what it really means to be a Christian? Songwriter said it this way, When passing through this world of sin and others your life shall view, be clean, be pure, without and within. Let others see Jesus in you. Someone said that your life may be the only life, that the only Christ that people will ever see, and, 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 and your life may be the only Bible that people will ever read. We have the responsibility, my brothers and sisters, to be resolved to let God, let what God is doing in us flow out of us. It's the first thing we need to do if we're going to uphold a godly witness in an ungodly world. Second thing that we need to do, I think Paul would have us to understand, is that we need to resist discontentment and discord among us. First point spoke to our individual walk. This speaks to the way that we interact with one another. Paul says in verse number 14, do everything without grumbling and arguing. Sometimes I think we fail to realize that we damage our witness based upon our attitude that we have with one another. We we, we fail to realize that that we hinder our witness by the way that we deal with one another. On the one hand, we fuss with one another so much that we cannot move forward in mission and on the other hand, we fuss fuss with one another so much so that no one wants to come in and join us on mission. We've got to get to the point, my brothers and sisters, where we check our discontentment and discord at the door. I recall some years ago, I think it was in a class that I was taking, I'm not sure, but I recall, yeah, it was a class, I believe, and uh, some years ago, we were sitting in this class, and there was a person in the class who had been a missionary to China, and, uh, and he would tell us all about, in China, the persecuted church. He said that, that in some places, the church in China is underground. People are being persecuted for their faith there. And, 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 and he would tell us these stories, and, and we were all just in awe and, and, and listening at the stories, and someone said, well, well how can we pray? For the people of China, how can we pray for the church of China? And, and then, and then they said, should, should we pray that they can endure persecution? Should, should we pray for their perseverance? And the man said, No, that they're accustomed to. To persecution now they they, they, they they are able to deal with that he said the dealing with persecution that's a Western problem that's that's something that we struggle with over here in America but they understand that he said no what you need to pray for is that they would get along with one another they they can't stop fighting with each other they can't stop fussing with each other they can't get on one accord pray that they get along with one another. And my brothers and sisters, this is what Paul is saying here. We've got to check the discord and discontentment at the door. We've got to get along with one another. Stop the grumbling and complaining over things that do not matter so that the Lord can work in us and through us. So that we can uphold a godly witness in an ungodly world. People come to the church and they don't want to see exactly what they've been accustomed to outside of the church. Yes, we have our faults. Yes, we have our problems. Yes, we don't get everything right. But, but they should see that we love one another. And that we're willing to forgive one another and strive with one another. Paul used that term early in the, in the passage. He says striving together for the faith of the gospel. That's how we ought to behave with one another. Don't get held up with grumbling. Don't get held up with complaining. Moses and the children of Israel wandered for 40 years partially because of their grumbling and complaining. The Bible says that they will know us not by our grumbling and complaining, but they will know us by our love for one another. And I would argue that if we are going to uphold, we're going to uphold a godly witness in an ungodly world, we have got to, we have got to be willing to resist discontentment and discord among us. We've got to be mindful how we interact with one another. And then thirdly, and I'm almost done. If we're going to uphold a godly witness in an ungodly world, not only must we be resolved to let God, what God is doing in us, flow out of us, and not only must we resist discontentment and discord among us, but then thirdly, we must remain firm in the message that we proclaim. We must remain firm in the message that we proclaim. This speaks to our, how we, how we, our means, I should say, of impacting the world. The first point spoke mainly to our individual walk. Second point spoke to how we interact with one another. And this point speaks to our means of impacting the world. He said in verse number 16, hold firmly to the message of life. My brothers and sisters, over these past few days, As a result of what happened in Minnesota, we have seen uh, marching, and we have seen protesting, and all kinds of people coming out on the streets uh, to demand justice and uh, to demand equity, and all of these kinds of things, police reform. We have seen that, and, and people have been marching, and we should march. And we should, we should let our voices be heard. We should do all of these things. We should not riot. That is not a godly manner of solving any problem. But, but we should allow our voices to be heard. We should engage in the various processes, political processes, and so on and so forth. But, but, but we have been all of this time out on the streets, and we have been holding up uh, these various messages. Uh, Black Lives Matter, that's a message that, that has been proclaimed. I can't breathe, some have chanted. Uh, No justice, no peace, we hear people saying. All of these messages, all of these slogans, all of these sayings, all of these things in order to get our point across and hopefully affect some change in our culture. But I'm here to tell you this morning that if I don't tell you anything else, I need to remind you that when it's all said and done, at the end of the day, when, when, when the last march has ended, the only message that can change hearts and that can transform minds is the glorious gospel of Jesus the Christ. It's the only thing that can make a real difference in this world. Paul declared in, I believe it was 1 Corinthians chapter 2, he said, and when I came to you... I came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God, for I determined not to know anything before you except for Christ and Him crucified. It's the only message that we have that's going to make a difference. I recall that scene. believe it was in Luke's gospel, I cannot recall exactly where it is right now, but that scene, and you, you, you've read it before, where, where Jesus is at the Mount of Transfiguration, it is called, and, and he's there, and he has Peter with him, and he has James with him, and he has John with him. And they're there, and all of a sudden, there's this glowing light about the Lord, and Moses is there, and Elijah is there. The three of them are there, and, and, and Peter looks at what's going on, and they bow down, and all three of them get down because of what they are seeing, what they are witnessing. And Peter speaks up and says, should we not build three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah? And all of a sudden, a voice comes from the heavens, a thundering voice from the heavens, and Elijah is whisked away, and Moses is whisked away. And what they hear next is, 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 is only serve Jesus, him alone. This is my beloved son. Hear ye him. Bible says that after they look back up, nobody was there, but Jesus only. Because he's the only one that saves. He's the only one that changes hearts. It's the only message we have, and it is the only message that we need. It is a life changing message. It is a liberating message. It is a reconciling message. It is a redeeming message. It is a healing message. It is a heart mending message. It is a sin forgiving message, and it is a soul saving message. We have the one message that no one else has. Islam cannot save us. Buddhism cannot save us. Hinduism cannot save us. Only Jesus can save us. And only Jesus can change us from the inside out. A whole lot of things can have us morally upright people. But the only thing that can change our hearts and our minds is the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we've got to uphold the right message if we are going to uphold a godly witness in an ungodly world. My brothers and sisters, we must resolve to let what God is doing in us flow out from us. We must resist discontentment and discord among us, and we must remain firm in the message that we proclaim, the message, of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if we will put these into practice, if we will be faithful to these words that Paul has outlined for us today, then I believe he will be glorified and the people of whom we touch will be edified. We will see a difference in our world. We'll see a difference in our city, in our communities, not perhaps some grand swoop, but one person at a time. And so I pray today that as you have been listening, if perhaps there is someone who tunes into this broadcast, if there is perhaps someone who clicks on this website and you have not heard anything else that I've said, I just want to make sure you hear this. If you do not know Jesus as Lord and as Savior, if you do not know Him in the pardon of your sins, if you have never said in so many words, Lord, I know that I'm a sinner and I cannot save myself and I need you to save me. If you have never trusted in him for your salvation, I commend him to you today. The Bible said that if we would confess that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God has raised him from the dead, we shall be saved. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe on him would not perish, but have everlasting life. Today is the day of salvation. Today, if you hear his voice, harden not your heart. And we pray that you would consider that message and if the Lord so moves you, that you would give your life to him. Let us pray. Father, we thank you again for this time that you have given us to share together. We thank you for this format, this uh, ability to come by way of video so that the people of God can hear the word of God even though uh, they are at home and not in the sanctuary. And so God, we uh, Thank you, and we pray this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.